Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, hey guys, today is a very, very special episode. It's not just an author. It's not just a speaker. It's not just a pastor. Today, my very special guest is my very own dad. Hubert Morris is an ordained minister for more than 50 years. He has served as a pastor, a presbyter, a university vice president, and he's taken the gospel to Africa, China, Haiti, Sri Lanka, and he's currently the president of Assist Ministries. He's been married to my mom for 59 years. Next year, they celebrate their 60th anniversary, and they are blessed with three daughters. I have two younger sisters and 10 grandchildren. And today, today, guys, if you're listening to this, the day that airs is the launch of our book that we have co-authored together, Brave Enough to Believe, How the Life of Doubting Thomas Answers Our Hard Questions. I want to read you a little bit about what the back cover shares with us because you're going to want to go today to Amazon and get your copy and be a part of this launch day. We want to discover Jesus' invitation to come closer when doubt drives us away. Disappointment bruises the bravest of souls and the nagging ache of uncertainty causes us to grow weary and afraid to hope. Doubt entices us to wonder if God is good when life is not. Have you ever wondered that? Yet our hard questions have become opportunities for Jesus to show us who he is. Perhaps you know Thomas for his bouts with doubt. Would you believe doubting Thomas is actually even in the dictionary, even though Jesus nor anyone in the Bible ever called him doubting Thomas? Jesus knew Thomas for the courage to question and the bravery to believe. When a crisis of faith revealed his deepest doubts, Jesus met Thomas's deepest longings. So we came together to bring two unique perspectives, 30 years of ministry experience to flip 30 years for me, 50 years for him. So a combined 80 years of ministry experience to flip the script on the story of Thomas. So whether you're a seeker or a skeptic or a seasoned leader, you will learn how to live untangled from uncertainty. You will leverage adversity and you will lead with confidence through challenging circumstances, which we all need to know how to do. Thomas exchanged uncertainty for a life of tenacious faith. And when we encounter Jesus, we can too. So welcome, dad. I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast. Thank you, Angela. My daughter, <laughs> the author has drawn me in to be a co-author. Now that's pretty special. <laughs> Dad, honestly, it's been one of the most special experiences of my entire life writing this book. And I kind of want to take our listeners back to how this even came about in the first place. Today is launch day. I feel like we need like confetti. So just imagine we're throwing confetti right now because we're so excited that this yes. is actually launching into the world. But this has been a couple years in the making, right, Dad? Oh, yes. It was almost... Three years ago, when I really had an experience that made me want to share what happened between doubting Thomas and Jesus. Well, talk about that, Dad, because you had this experience before I called you and we even began to brainstorm. So tell us what happened that kind of, you know, pulled Thomas to the forefront of your heart. Well, my wife and I really wanted to visit our granddaughter, who was married to, is married to a youth minister in Fresno, California. So we made the trip. Uh, we were there, you know, a few days. And then on Sunday morning, going to the church and walking into the lobby 
I look up and on the wall of the lobby of the church is this poster sized painting with Jesus standing there with Thomas, two other disciples looking on. And I realize what's happening. And something just drew my attention to how Jesus had reached out his hand and taken Thomas's arm and was pulling him close enough that Thomas could reach the wound in Jesus' side with his finger. And so, I don't know, it just overwhelmed me. I just began to just, uh, the tears run down my face because I realized whatever it took, Jesus was going to pull Thomas out of his doubts mm. and uh, disappointments at, at, uh, at the crucifixion having happened. And he was going to restore Thomas. And what a story that mm. is in itself. And when I talked with you, that kind of launched us into sharing about Doubting Thomas. It's so good, Dad. And believe it or not, guys, there has not been a single book about Thomas written. So when my dad and I first started chatting, you know, I would look up, well, surely someone has written about his life. And people have written about that moment you just described, Dad, where Jesus pulled him closer, invited him to, you know, to look at the wounds in his hands and his side when Thomas was in such a crisis of faith. But yes. there's so much more to Thomas that I think people miss. Yes. And we only see that one moment. One of the things you said to me, um, I actually was walking the beach during COVID. So what you were just sharing happened before COVID. Then we hit this pandemic, which all of us yes. were reeling from. And my husband and I are out here pastoring outside of DC. Most of you that are listening know that uh, if you've listened for a while. And, you know, just like you guys, it was challenging to navigate and, you know, our church had to be shut down for a few weeks. Everybody on staff got COVID. I mean, you know, we've yes. all been walking through it. So I remember calling you, dad, and I'm walking on the beach. Uh, someone had given us their beach house for a couple of days just to kind of get out and, and uh, rest. And I remember calling you and talking about what are we supposed to do with all these doubts, all these questions, people so confused, people wondering yes. where God was. And you actually said, you you were doing so many funerals in the last decade. You actually said that you talked about Thomas at every funeral. And I was trying to think what, like, because even in me being a seasoned ministry leader, I was thinking of that one moment, everyone knows, but even walk us through why you had brought Thomas's life to the forefront as you'd been, you know, loving on families for the last decade as a retired minister. Yes. Well, and of course, in light of what we have put in the book, this was the third encounter that Jesus and Thomas had. We call it an encounter because it's really an exchange of of greeting or words and sentences. And um, Thomas is hearing Jesus talk about uh, heaven. And uh, in my father's house are many mansions. And Jesus says, you know where I'm going and you know the way I'm going. Well, that is a beautiful scripture to have for a family who's lost a loved one, of course. Mm. And so I tie that in with the comfort for that family of realizing Jesus was saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then he says, you know the place and you know where I'm going and, and how to get there. Well, Thomas is the only one of the apostles who spoke up to say, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way to get there? Mm. And Jesus says, I am the way, 
the mm-hmm. truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So mm-hmm. Father's house is where Jesus wanted, uh, you know, Thomas and the apostles to go after they died. Or and so Jesus was simply saying, "My in my Father's house are these places I'm preparing for you, and um, and uh, and I'm the way to get there." Yeah. And so that that's how I tied in with funerals when I'm ministering at that funeral. Well, and I know we're kind of jumping toward, you know, the later part of the book to tell you that. But the reason I brought that up is because when I'm talking to my dad, they're on that beach saying, dad, people are really struggling. They're struggling with doubts. Some people are deconstructing their faith. They're just abandoning their faith. They're confused. Even leaders, uh, you know, pastors were leaving their churches. It was just such a difficult time. And for you to even share that, it, it all of a sudden reminded me that, Thomas was so much more than what we tend to think by that one moment. And that conversation really is what sparked, uh, you know, what is now this book that's launching today, because the reality is guys, so many of us do have doubts and questions. And what we wanted to do was to remove this kind of shame or stigma that comes with, wow, I think I have a question. I think I'm not sure what I believe about this, or I'm, I'm confused, or I don't understand where God is in my circumstances. All the questions that we knew we need answers for. And my dad's been a pastor his whole life. We have been pastors out here, you know, and, and we want our, our communities of faith, our churches, our life groups, our small group settings, our personal relationships to be places where there's genuine, authentic community that we can talk about things and not just isolate and remove ourselves. Cause we're going to talk about it just a second, why that became so dangerous for Thomas and, and how his life just gives us a roadmap dad to get out of uncertainty, get untangled and into unshakable faith where we don't have to just rise or fall based on our circumstances. So let's chat for a minute about some of these questions, dad, some of the questions in encounter one, uh, that we brought out here for them is, you know, how am I going to hear from God? How do I know that I can be certain that I'm hearing from God? And then moving into knowing my purpose, how can I know the will of God for my life? So many people need to know uh, those those answers and and come to us as pastors and ask. So we dive right in and we'll come back to that in a minute about what we look at in encounter one. What we've done guys in the book is frame the book out in four major encounters between Thomas and Jesus. My dad briefly mentioned that last encounter, which so many of us know that story of Jesus asking him, inviting him to put his hands in his side and then encounter three about Thomas asking the place and the way, but there's two other encounters we cover. So dad, walk us through some of the questions we look at in encounter two. Well, how can I get untangled from my uncertainty and overcome my fear of the unknown? Mm, Yeah. Well, there's certainly such a such a word from the Lord about uh, overcoming our fear because of God's love. Right. And, and um, when we really see that the Lord will help us use adversity that looks like a fear of where we would mm. go or the unknown, that uh, we, have, we actually turn that into leveraging it. That's right. To be stronger. And become a leader and stand up for Jesus. So encountering Jesus, Thomas really had a way 
of handling what would have been a fearful situation in encounter two. The situation was going to be Jesus was saying to the apostles, we need to go back to Bethany in Judea. And they said, but they tried to kill you when you were there before. Right. Jesus, Jesus said, but our friend Lazarus is sick. And eventually Jesus did reveal to him, Lazarus has died. And so the the apostles were just in a sense opposing what Jesus wanted in this encounter. And and, and Thomas speaks up as the only apostle to speak up and says, let us go with him and die with him. Right. And so look at the boldness that came into his life to make that kind of decision because he was he was encountering the Lord. He was in the presence of Jesus. And when we speak with Jesus in our prayer life, when we think on Jesus, when we love his word, we are gaining an overcoming of fear, of worry about the next step. Mm. Oh, Thomas is a great example for us in that. It's so good, Dad. And I I might even just pause there. We're going to kind of let you guys hear all the questions, but I feel like it's a better just to, to just camp out here for a minute because I'm going to back up to those questions in encounter one and lead us to the moment my dad's talking about. Um, because, you know, Thomas, we don't know a whole lot of backstory. If you guys like the chosen, like I do, you know, I talk about it here sometimes. Um, you know, there's some subjective interpretations happening there and some character studies that there he's not he's not extra biblical. It's not anti-biblical, but it is a creative license. And so we don't know exactly uh, where Thomas's background came from. Uh, I love the portrayal of him in the chosen, but what we do know is that he would have been a young Jewish man. And uh, just like the rest of the Jews waiting for a deliverer, waiting for someone to lift them out of their own uncertainty of their own impression of their own difficulty. And if you're listening in your college student or young adult He was probably your age, a young adult, when he just shows up as one of the crowd, uh, listening to Jesus and, uh, you know, hearing the the message on the Mount of the Beatitudes and and hearing Jesus teach and and talk about the kingdom of God and, you know, things he'd never heard before and an authority he'd never heard before. And so Thomas had to leave the comfort of all that he knew because Jesus called him out of the crowd and it started because he showed up. So some of us just need to hear that you just need to show up, get in position where Jesus can call you. And God called him, Jesus called him out of that crowd. And something that my dad and I really loved studying there is, you know, Jesus had spent a whole night in prayer before he called Thomas. It wasn't like, oh, let me just go find the bravest 12 in the crowd or the most handsome or the people that had the best resumes they've turned in for this assignment. Jesus prayed and got the heart of the father. And the father said, I want you to go choose these 12 apostles. And Thomas was one of those 12. And that's what started this three-year ministry that they had they were up close and personal with Jesus, like watching him calm the storm with a single command and watching him teach about the kingdom and watching him give sight to the blind, watching him make the lame walk. And, and as yeah. they started to understand Jesus purpose, then they became awakened to their own purpose, sent out two by two and, and, and beginning to be used by God. And that shows us guys right off the bat, we have to show up. We have to put ourselves in position where Jesus can call us, where we're close enough to Jesus 
to begin to understand who he is and what he does. Then our purpose begins to grow. Our assignments begin to grow, but it starts by being close enough to him. And then we see in John chapter 11, that second encounter my dad was talking about where they go back to Judea in the face of, of tremendous danger. And Thomas speaks up, he bravely speaks up. And, uh, you know, dad, when Thomas spoke up, he didn't know the end of the story. I think sometimes we, we forget that we know, oh, well, Thomas is going to get to see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. And he's going to witness this great miracle. But, you know, Thomas was in the middle of it. He didn't know that was going to happen when he said, yes, that's right. And so for him to say, yes, I'm going to go, he's saying yes in full obedience. And that's the lesson for us. When God says to go, or sometimes he says to wait, or sometimes he says not yet, we have got to learn to trust that while we're waiting, God is working. By the time Jesus came, Lazarus had died. So in the natural, it looked like he'd waited too long. He, he wasted his, the time and he should have get, gotten there early. And we unpack all of that in the book. But what our lesson there is, listen, we have to learn to trust the timing of Jesus. It starts with being in proximity. It starts with studying his word in prayer. My dad is a prayer warrior. Guys, I'm telling you, we are living right now, watching the fulfillment. And we'll share some of these miracles at the end of this conversation. What I believe has been my dad's prayer life. And so the starting place for us is our prayer life with the Lord. It's not our ending place. It's our starting place. And then he moves us to ascending place. So if you're kind of wondering, what's my next step with God, just spend time with him. He will reveal himself. And dad, we share a lot of personal stories and maybe you can kind of just share how there were some moments in your life where you sensed the Lord leading you to a new assignment. You had to say yes. And and it required a lot of obedience and, and uh, bravery on your, on yours and mom's part. Maybe walk us through some of those seasons in your life. Well, it's so, um, it's so fresh in my memory that when we were at a stage where we were the state youth director in North Carolina for our denomination. And then, and then we were uh, going to help young people go and be witnesses for Christ in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the man who was going to come and be the pastor was on the way there to, um, to have training sessions for those who were going to help him start the church. And his son was driving for him to come from Virginia and they had an accident and it killed the pastor mm-hmm. in the accident. And so then we were left without any candidate for going to start that church. And it was on like a Sunday night. My wife and I were coming back through Charlotte and I looked at the at the lights of the city and something just gripped my heart. Mm. And I felt those people in that city who need Christ can be blessed if I surrender my life to the Lord and he wants me to go. I think just that drawing towards the city made me feel that it was God speaking to me. Hmm. And so when I got back to the to the district office in Dunn, North Carolina that week, I went into the state superintendent and home missions director and said, I just feel that I should submit myself to be the pastor there. And they said, hmm. we'll pray about it. I went home that evening and told my wife 
they think they may have a pastor for the new church in Charlotte. She said, mm-hmm. yes, I think I know who it is. <laughs> and she said, I think it's you because the Lord had already been dealing with her heart. Well, mm-hmm. confirmations like that really matter. And in the process of their decision at the district office, my wife and I were appointed to go. We started with 12 people. We started with our car with 206,000 miles on it. Mm. My wife was expecting our second daughter. We had no no uh, house that we could sell and help us get started. So we just had to go take the risk because we felt like if the Lord's going and wants us to go, we are not going to be left out. Mm. And we got there and God moved in the in the people that were helping us, those first 12 people who came over from, from another church in the city, First Assembly, came over and helped us. And within uh, six months, the church was running 75 people. Within two and a half years, 250 people. And things just happened with the blessing of God. We took that risk with the assurance that it was the Lord drawing us. And he answered us. We love it. Mm, Dad, it's so powerful. And I was, you know, very little guy. So it's been beautiful for me to see my dad recount these stories. And, and uh, he has years and years of daytimers that he would keep in his pocket. And it's really just been a record of the faithfulness of God. And dad, what you articulated has happened over and over and over in your mom and life where you just leaned on the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit, for someone who struggles to hear God's voice, they're not sure they're hearing the voice of God. Help us to know one way we can know is that it's going to line up with God's word. God is yes. never, ever going to tell us to do something that is yes. contradictory to his word. So if, if if you think, I think God might be telling me blank and it's it's in direct violation of the word of God, then you can know that that's either the voice of the enemy or just our own flesh. But Dad, help us know what that's been like for you and mom to know that you really had the peace of God and were hearing from God to take your next steps. Well, I think we know when we have peace and when we don't. And if we can be faithful to to try to understand God is giving me peace about this. Hmm. That's that's one way, of course. And then how will I have a confirmation through uh, another believer, another mature believer in the Lord. And uh, even in sharing with my wife, you know, that I felt the Lord might be leading us to Charlotte. And uh, and she'd already had a, a sense in her heart about it. Yeah. Uh, another believer can give us a great sense of peace also. Uh, th- does it really align with the Bible? Is there anything I'm thinking about doing that contradicts God's word? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're not going to be led to desert your spouse <laughs> and get with somebody else because you've seen a sign in heaven or something. <laughs> it, it contradicts. I mean, I'm laughing, God's but people word. do that. Yeah, that's right, Dad. You've got to live in line with the word of God if you expect God to back you up, defeat the enemy of your soul and give you victories and progress and growth. And that's great when you sense that I must be hearing from the voice of God. And Father, if this is in any way contradicting what you want for my life, just put up a roadblock and help me know that's Mm. not the way for me. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. And really what's underneath that, guys, is our just surrender and obedience 
And we saw that in Thomas. And we think sometimes of Peter kind of being this upfront and central, and he is an apostle. But Thomas has very similar character traits of speaking up, of asking hard questions. And we saw that in this encounter three that my dad mentioned a minute ago, not only was he available to say, listen, and he turned to the apostles and said, you know, we're going to go, I'm, I'm going, let's go. This is what Jesus wants to do. So it's, yes. it's availability. It's awareness of what's happening. And we look at some of the things in that chapter, his desire is aligned with the will of God. Then his decision aligned yes. with the will of God, then his yes. determination had to kick in. So we give you some really practical yes. things to do. Like my dad's talking about when you're trying to decide and move forward to be brave. And maybe if you have questions to pause, like he said, go to a believer, go to your, your community, go to your church, your pastor, talk that through until you have peace. And uh, because Thomas chose to go with Jesus, then of course they witnessed the miraculous and uh, Lazarus resurrected from the dead. Then we have that encounter three where they're at the last supper. And, and of all the things that Jesus could talk about, he talked about how he loved them, how he wanted them to love one another. And he pointed them to heaven because in this uncertain place called earth, we need the certain promise of heaven. Yes, yes. We need his presence, which is where we start. You have to have the presence of God. Then you have the promise to know that he's going to be with you, not only on earth through the power of the Holy spirit and the person of the Holy spirit, but then the promise of heaven, which is where we have to keep our eyes and our hope set and to know that Jesus is the only way. I know that's not a popular message anymore, but that is such a crucial statement, right? Dad, that Jesus revealed in John 14, he's not just a way he yes. said he is the only way in John chapter yes. 14, the only way to father's house. And that's heaven. That's right. And it's really the only way to the peace that you just described. You you're, you can chase peace yes. a million ways, but guys, the only way to true authentic peace is through the person and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why right on the top of this back cover, we said, we want you to discover Jesus invitation to come closer. And this yes. says when doubt drives us away, but it's really when anything tries to drive us away, fear as the apostles faced when they were, you know, whether or not they should return to Judea, confusion, a pandemic, a bankruptcy, a divorce, a prodigal child, whatever is threatening to pull you away from Jesus. He yes. is the way he is the answer yes. when we don't have the answers to our hard questions. I would love to tell you what my dad and I would love to say, oh, you know, if you read our book, you'll never have a question again. But sometimes we're going to live this side of eternity, this side of heaven, and not know the answer specifically to a question. But what we yes. are going to know is that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of our answers, all of our hard questions, and we can go to him. We don't have to be ashamed. Yes. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry that somehow if I go to him, he's not going to listen to me. Uh, but he wants, he's, he's always inviting us closer. And we're going to share that last yes. encounter in just a second. But dad, I want us to talk about one of the most surprising moments as we studied over Google docs and FaceTime guys, we don't live in the same state. And we wrote every single chapter together. It wasn't like he wrote a chapter and I wrote a chapter. We wrote all of this together and dad talk about a moment in the story in the life of Thomas. That was such a surprise to both of us. Well, it was when 
all of the apostles fled from the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested. Hmm. So now you have Jesus alone and being tried and finally being crucified. And of course, the apostle John was by Jesus' mother near the foot of the cross, the Bible says, when Jesus was crucified. But Hmm. all of the other apostles were absent, including Thomas. They were absent. That we don't know if they stood a long ways off and saw what was happening or not. We just know they weren't there. And so in the process of that, there's not an apostle to help Jesus carry his cross. Mm. And the Bible says Simon is told by one of the Roman soldiers, you take that cross because Jesus was falling down under mm. the under the load of it. And then we go a little further and uh, there was no apostle there that would that would just cry out for Jesus to come down off the cross, of course, and and mm-hmm. um, and that Jesus would be spared this. But in the process, there was a there was a Roman soldier saying, "Surely this was the Son of God." Mm. And and there was enough of a moment where no apostles were were screaming out or yelling anything that a thief that was being crucified with Jesus could be heard saying to the Lord, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mm. He put his trust in Jesus Mm. as he was being crucified alongside the Savior. Mm. And finally, there are two other individuals that took the place of the apostles when it was Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea who took the body of the Lord down from the cross and buried it. Mm. Now, Angela saw something in that that amazed me when we were writing this book. Mm-hmm. And she began to share what she felt she was seeing. And Angela, I want you to share that. Yeah, because we struggled, guys, to think, how are we going to write a chapter <laughs> about the life of Thomas? And he's not in the narrative. And he can't give us a front row seat to to these events. But what he can give us is a front row seat to grace. And I saw... Really, I just believe the Lord, the Holy Spirit just deposited in my heart, look a little bit deeper that in the apostles absence, God was writing all of humanity into this story. And that became one of the most beautiful chapters for me personally, because maybe like Simon, for some of us, Jesus has been nothing more than a stranger. Or maybe like the thief on the cross, you feel like you've wasted time or you don't have anything to offer Jesus, or you might see a reflection in the Roman soldier and look back at your choices and, and lament what you've done and wish for more time. Or maybe fear has shrouded your belief in Jesus, just like Nicodemus, those secret covert believers. And you've actually kept him hidden because of others might, what they might say about it. And what I loved that about this passage is that John three sixteen tells us, that God so loved the world that whosoever, whosoever believes in him. And Jesus didn't just invite his closest friends to know him. He invited the whosoever. That means the wanderer. That means the wandering. That means the wayward. He invites us all. And in, and in their absence, 
we can step back and find ourselves and in Thomas, but we know the gospel doesn't make any mistakes. It wasn't some mistake that they weren't there. We believe that God was using even these moments to show us his love, his redemption, whether it's a thief that is his last breath or a a Roman, a Gentile, a, a stranger, God engrafted all of us because his heart is to draw us closer. That's the heart of our heavenly father. And that's what we saw in this last encounter, which is John chapter 20, which probably is what dad, don't you think everyone, probably this is what they know or or remember. Remember. And uh, I'll walk through the first part of it. I want to give it to my dad to kind of wrap up the end of this story. But when Jesus now raises from the dead, after what we were just talking about there at the crucifixion, he appears to the apostles and it's very conspicuous that Thomas is not there. So they've all come back together and we could think for a minute, well, maybe he's just busy or he's at work or he's distracted, but the scripture reveals the que- what was going on and the questions that Thomas was struggling with because they go and they find him and they say, listen, we've seen Jesus. He's alive. And Thomas says this in John 20, verse 25, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe he was so depleted from disappointment. And I don't know about you guys, but during that pandemic, when I called my dad, I was wrestling with disappointment. I was struggling. God, where are you in this? And if we're not careful, that can, that can turn into a situation where we attach an unless to our willingness to believe and, and God will welcome our questions. His word will stand up to the strongest of scrutiny, but we cannot let our doubts stay unresolved. If we do, it can lead to the deconstruction of our faith. And when we attach an unless to say, unless God does this. Unless God heals my mom of cancer, unless he turn, you know, turns this thing around in my life, what we'll do sometimes is we put God's character on trial and we think something didn't turn out like we thought it should, or we withhold our confidence in God until something turns out. And Jesus knows our unless places and he meets us there, but he doesn't want us to stay there wherever we have an unless we have to replace that with regardless regardless of the questions that will remain in this life, I will choose to believe. And then dad, I want you to just kind of wrap this up by walking us through that last moment that they're going to read about in the book. Well, actually we have a whole last chapter on the book of acts because Thomas is all over the book of acts, but dad, this last beautiful encounter between Thomas and Jesus, the second time that Jesus appeared, walk us through this moment. Well, this is this is a week after Jesus had appeared to the other apostles with Thomas being absent. Now they have persuaded Thomas, you should come with us, Thomas, mm. and be with us. Yeah. Don't isolate yourself away from us, Thomas. That's right. So he joins with them. They're together a week later. Jesus suddenly appears, the Bible says, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Mm. So we just imagine Jesus' eyes scanning the room, and his eyes meet Thomas's eyes. What do you think Thomas was feeling? Mm. And instead of Jesus saying, Thomas, you failed me, you doubted me, 
He just simply said, Thomas, come, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. And Thomas comes closer because Jesus would not let him stay in his doubt and unbelief. Mm. He, he drew Thomas closer, just like he draws you and me closer when we struggle with confusion about God's timing, confusion about what we're going through. Why isn't there an answer God's giving yet in my situation? But Jesus wants to continually draw us closer, helping us understand God's ways, helping us helping us see in the Bible words of faith. And Jesus drawing you closer to him will be your answer. There's the encounter for you. Mm. It's so good, Dad. And I love uh, in this in the Greek version when Thomas, well, there's two things I, I love so much here. First, like you said, Jesus first invited him closer. Then he said, stop doubting and believe. Yes. I think sometimes we get that backwards. And so we think, well, when I get all my life together, when I've when I'm when I'm not struggling with alcohol, when I'm when I'm not struggling with my thought life, when when I've got my finances back, I, I don't really want to step foot in the, the the doors of a church until I can get it together. No, Jesus has come to me exactly where you are, right in the middle of whatever you're going through. And when yes. you get close enough to him, then he says, stop doubting and believe. But we have to first receive that invitation and come closer. And then Thomas literally replies, you know, your ver translation in your Bibles might say in verse 28, my Lord and my God, but the original Greek literally reads this, the Lord of me and the God of me. And when he says, Lord, yes. he's using the word curios in Greek, which means the owner of my life, the owner of my life. That's the moment Dad, you, you commented through the book of Acts. There was no other moment after that that we see Thomas struggled. He led bravely. Yes. Talk us to the end of Thomas's life and what an encouragement that, that is to us. Well, it's now known that streets in India are named for Thomas. The, the burial mm -hmm. site of Thomas is in India. And uh, when you think about of all the apostles, it appears that Thomas went further for the Lord than any of the others. Mm. He gets to India. He speaks of Christ as the son of God and the only savior to take you to heaven. And he is, and he is hunted down by some of those in India who rejected him mm. and martyred him for Christ. But Thomas gave his life. And uh, there are people who today say that the, that their ancestors believed on the Lord because of Thomas. That's mm -hmm. the kind of testimony that we have, uh, we have heard about in India. And it just shows that Thomas was faithful yeah. and kept his faith in the Lord. Mm -hmm. and, and he just went uh, as far as he could and then mm -hmm. gave his life mm -hmm. for the Lord. Dad, as you say that, I can't help thinking about your life. Guys, my dad is 79. He'll be 80 next year, just a couple months after this book airs. And so if you're in your later years, I want you to know that God wants to use you in powerful ways. And uh, my, my dad is so sharp, as you can hear today, but what he would bring theologically, pouring over scriptures, 
as we wanted to, with, with, with great diligence, reverence and responsibility, treat the word of God as we brought you this human interest story of the life of Thomas, but also the theological approaches to these hard questions. You know, sometimes I think we can think that maybe our best years are behind us, but Thomas, as you just said, dad, he lived fully for God until his dying breath. And that's what God calls us to do. Whatever season of life you're in and wherever you find yourself a seeker, a skeptic or seasoned leader, you're going to be encouraged by this book. I'm telling you, I'm just, I, we've heard so many miracles so far uh, of what God is doing. And I want dad to share that in a second, but I just want to kind of wrap this up before he shares and prays for us that Jesus is inviting each one of us. If you're listening in a car or you're getting ready, whatever you're going through, we want you to just know right now that Jesus is inviting you closer. He's come inviting you to come closer to him. He's inviting us to take risks and to follow him and not just for the sake of, of taking a risk, but for obedience. Like my dad said, if, if Jesus is going that direction, I'm going, I'm going where he's going. And then he's inviting us to bring him our hard questions. Don't isolate yourself. If you haven't been back to church since before COVID guys get back in community. Isolation is one of the worst things that we can do when we're struggling. And, and, and he's calling us to go where he calls us to go. He's calling us to be brave enough to believe that he is the answer. Even when we don't get the answer that we wanted to get in life, he is our way, our truth and our life. And you will be so encouraged with this book. We're getting reports from someone as young as 22 who's reading it. And someone who's as young as almost 80 reading it. Dad, I want you to share a couple of the miracles that are happening behind the scenes. I know you can't give some of the details because of privacy, but walk us through something extraordinary that's been happening uh, over these last few weeks. Well, I would go back even uh, a few months ago, uh, knowing that that, uh, Angela and I were being invited to make the launch of this book tomorrow in, in a setting of the student body of Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. Mm. And at that point, I knew that we needed to have books available for these students. And um, tomorrow morning at 945 is when that service takes place in Springfield, Missouri at Evangel University. If you're in the area, come. That's right. And join us. But um, a man a man felt that he should send $5,000 a few months ago mm. in support of our ministry. And that money is what was put to use as the first seed money for this book, Reaching People. Mm. And uh, and and hundreds of, of books are going to be available to the students at Evangel University mm. because of that man's love and wanting to help us minister in this way. Now, when uh, when we realized, well, what touched my heart about Jesus appearing behind locked doors for some reason, that really gripped my heart about men and women who are in prison behind locked doors. Yeah. And how this book might get to them to say to them, Jesus will meet you behind locked doors. And as I shared that with uh, w- with a person that's been dear to our ministry, and then someone that I thought might might take this on their heart, both of them gave gifts that equal $10,000 to purchase books to make available in the prison ministry 
at Global University Prison Ministry in mm. Springfield, Missouri. And beyond that, then there has come another total of $10,000 toward <laughs> printing of the books to continue to reach out. We're talking with other chaplains now at other prisons, at, at prisons. Yeah. We're talking with people about university campuses having this book available to students. Well, you can imagine $25,000 within <laughs> yeah. the last four or five months. I see it as God's confirmation saying, be faithful. Take this book where doors are open and people who want this book and receive it. And of course, as Angela said, uh, today is the actual release through That's right. Amazon and other book uh, resources for you to obtain it. And those who have pre-ordered, I understand their book is going to be in the in the mail to them. That's right. Today. Oh, it's exciting to, to me that I've had a part <laughs> in this experience. Thank you, Angela. Oh, it's so exciting, Dad. And I, I, I wish we could write three or four more. We'll see what the Lord leads. People are already asking me, what's your next book with your dad? And Maybe there's one that you're going to write by yourself. I feel like there's going to be another book just about what happens when you're brave enough to believe. Because some of these testimonies, and I wish we had time, guys, if you could just hear... God's story after God's story. I keep telling my dad, write it all down, write it all down because I don't want to lose any of these moments. And we just want that to encourage you. You might feel like there's a locked door in, in your situation. Look, Jesus can appear in a suddenly moment. He can turn that thing around and he can get his, he can get in a situation because he's, he's God. So don't ever for a minute doubt that he can't move in a situation. We also want to make sure that you know about a couple of things that are free to you. You can go to my website, angeladonadio.com. You can order straight on Amazon today, or all the links are there for you on my website. You can download uh, something that my dad and I put together, which is actually in the back of the book. It's the appendix in the book. We didn't get a chance to talk about it today, but there are, there are seven doubts there. And key scriptures that help us to trade our doubts for brave faith. So we have a resource that's free for you on my website, seven days to overcome doubt. You can download that today. That'll stay up on my website. If you're not listening the day of the launch, you can go order your copy a brave enough to believe we'd love for you to order on Amazon or go to your favorite local bookstore order right there on my website. You'll see others, other uh, links, and guys, we're so excited that it's going to be on the YouVersion app. So that's coming your way soon. And that'll be oh, a 10-day devotional uh, to trade your doubts for brave faith. So we're so grateful to IronStream and those helping us to get it to YouVersion. So guys, we're just at the beginning. This is just the launch today of this. And uh, I wanted you to hear from my dad, hear from behind the scenes, hear some of the miracles that God is doing through the book, Brave Enough to Believe. And we want you to get a copy and uh, get this for someone in your life, a college student who's wrestling maybe with what they believe at this season in their life, someone who's maybe older or a seasoned leader who needs a great resource, wonderful for small groups. There's questions at the begin at the end of each chapter. And so you can use it in your small group study if you want to get grouped uh, orders, or if you want to be a part of what my dad was saying, those miracles and make a donation, contact me through my website. There's a contact form and uh, we'll help you get, be a part of that. 
and, uh, and, and make sure that you're included in these miracles that God is doing. So dad, thank you. Thank you. And uh, tomorrow we're going to be preaching together, but today it felt like we were already, uh, starting to preach. You can hear the excitement in our hearts guys. And so go get your copy of brave enough to believe and, Dad, I just want to ask you to pray over our listeners as we close, especially anyone who might be struggling with doubt or hard questions today. Heavenly Father, you are a wonderful Father. We come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we say, Our Father, would you bring that assurance? Would you bring that bringing together a closeness with someone who's struggling right now? with confusion, disappointment, doubting that God is really with them in their situation. And something today that has come to light to them to show that Jesus reaches out and, uh, and, and encounters them and meets with them and uh, that they will have confirmation and assurances. Jesus is touching my life. And so I just ask for that for them in my own agreement together with them and seeking the face of God with them. Bring it to them, I pray, and Jesus' name be glorified. Glory to God in this. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at AngelaDenadio.com, Facebook at AngelaDenadioVOV, and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.